Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Before we get to our latest edition of our College Contender Series, where Chris Hallioris and I sit down with the head coaches of our top 11 schools heading into this 2021 ITA season, just wanted to remind all of you listeners that these podcasts are, of course, made possible by your amazing support, by our Patreon family, and, of course, by our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar. It's a very simple lifestyle. We want to look good. We want to feel good so that when we go on court, we can play good. And look, not all of us can play high-level college tennis. Not all of us are going to catch the eye of today's guest, TCU men's tennis head coach David Roditi, but that doesn't mean there aren't little improvements you can still make in your life. We believe you can find the best tennis equipment by going to MidwestSports.com. Use the promo code CR15. You'll get 15% off your order. We also sincerely believe that you can make a difference by turning to the only tennis-specific energy bar in the business in our friends with Aerobar. Going to get that little extra boost on court to produce that extra 1%, 2%, 3% of improvement every time you step out and compete. Of course, you use our promo code CRACK30. You'll get 30% off your aero bars. And again, we want to look good. We want to feel good. We want to play good. Midwest Sports Aero Bar Cracked Rackets. With that in mind, of course, as I mentioned, we continue our College Contender Series here on the show today with a conversation with Art, the head coach of our preseason number six team heading into this D1 men's season number six for us, TCU. And of course, that means we are joined today by TCU men's tennis head coach David Rodidi. And of course, we've been so fortunate to speak with Coach Rodidi a few times over these past three years. By the way, circling in on podcast number one, thousand of my life it may have already passed it may be coming up in the next few weeks I don't know whether to be ashamed I don't know whether to be proud all I can sincerely say is thank you to all of you listeners that is a crazy number and uh, it's been so much fun for me so eternally appreciative of all of you eternally appreciative of coach Roditi who of course answers our questions about uh, returning his roster his team so hot down the home stretch of 2020 believe they won their last nine matches they lose a close one to USC then had a bunch of success at the national indoors in their next two matches and you know they bring everyone back from the 2021 uh, 2020 roster here to 2021 so of course uh, this is a team we think has a really high floor can be as good as any team in the country in any given match the question is what is their ceiling what is their upside and that is something we explore with coach Roditi on today's podcast so without further ado let's hear Chris Hallioris in my conversation with the man, the myth, the legend, David Roditi. Joining us on the podcast today, maybe the biggest returning champion we have had on our Crack Racket shows. It feels like there's only one way fitting to introduce him at this point. He's the man. He's the myth. He's the legend. It's TCU men's tennis head coach, David Roditi. Coach, welcome back to the show. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. How are you doing? How are you doing, Alex? Good. Good to be here. Thanks. That was a very nice introduction, and I don't know what championship you're talking about so i don't remember anything at all but i appreciate it It sounded really good thank you yeah of course i should also say that's my way of making up for the fact i forgot to send you a birthday text so happy belated birthday to you coach rodidi i think that's probably the headline news you're what 26 27 
Uh, 27. 27. <laughs> I will tell you that no matter how old I am today, it is the youngest I will ever be today. That's true. <laughs> no, I love that. Yeah, no, we love that attitude, that mindset. That's why you are the returning champion. And I have to say, I have a subjective list of how many times people have come onto the podcast. You're in the top five, Coach, uh, which I don't know if that tells you what we feel about you. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if that's more indicting of you or, than anything else. But, uh, obviously, we are so grateful to have you back on the show today. And just, you know, I feel like I have to ask this to all of my guests. How are you, your family, the TCU team, holding up over the these past nine months you know we've been we've been good we've been good under the circumstances and what a lot of people have gone through and what some of the programs have gone through through this whole time we could not be more thankful for what how it's been at tcu and our leadership with our athletic director and our chancellor it's been uh we've been lucky on you know um in, in relation to, to what, what's going on in the country. So very thankful. I'm glad the elections are over. That was brutal. <laughs> and um, so now we can kind of look forward to the spring. But thank you, you for too. asking. How about you? You guys doing okay? You, you seem to be rock and rolling. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit balder than I was at the National Indoors, but I feel like that's inevitable at this point. I've seen my parents. I've seen my grandpas. They both ended up with that shiny head, so it's a matter of when, not if for me. For Chris, you know, again, he's actually as old as he'll ever be on this day, and he actually just gets older each and every day, so I don't want to speak for you, Chris. You holding up? Yeah, I'm holding up as much as Gruskin, you know, wants to put me in that high-risk category, I'm sure. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, yeah. Yeah, we're all we're all do, doing well here. Yeah, appreciate you asking, Coach. And, you know, I, I have to start today's conversation here because obviously you not only, you know, have coached college tennis at a high level, but you've also played college tennis at a high level. And so I, I'm just curious from your perspective, what has it been like to try and stay in communication, stay in contact with your team? I know team culture is something you pride your TCU program on, but how important has that culture been to keeping everything together these past nine months? You know, um, that's, that's a great question. And, and, and I'm not, I feel, I always feel like we got to just make the best of whatever situation we're in. And I, I felt we, we, the way we recruit and the way we coach is, you know, at the end of the day, if, if the guys don't want it themselves, then then there's not a ton you can do as a coach. And obviously most of our team is European. And if we didn't, if we didn't have the right guys, it doesn't matter what I'm doing, what, um, what kind of motivational video or text or conversation I'm having with the guys, if they either going to do it or they're not. And we, I was very impressed. I'm very proud of the guys and very impressed with the way they have gone about their own business back home and i feel like for the most part 95 percent of our team is has done everything they could to to continue to get better and make the best of the situation uh, when it comes to safety and and also their tennis their tennis is uh they just they've been going wherever they can in the world so they can compete and they can keep playing so i'm i'm really proud of them and 
I didn't do anything. I didn't do much at all. I, I <laughs> I'll admit it. It's 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 uh, it's been all them, and Devin Bowen, our our other coach here at TCU. He's he's a machine. I've always described him as a machine, and so he's the one that just leads that whole uh, part of our program. And uh, yeah, he's amazing. So the guys, I'm very proud of them. I, I didn't do anything. I focused on my on my boys, I focused on my situation at home, and um, I, I played a lot of golf. <laughs> no, that's awesome to hear. And you know, uh, again, one of the things that makes this season uh, so unique, perhaps, in college tennis history, is the fact that everyone it feels like across the country brings everyone back. There are, you know, in your conference, I suppose, Edo Siskard they exited, and I'm sure that's something secretly you're not too upset about. But outside of that, you look just across the country, and these rosters are absolutely stacked. I mean, from top to bottom, just the talent we are going to see during this season. It feels like we're in for something special, and obviously one of the pride points for your team last year was the depth, was the fact that it felt like you guys went eight, nine deep, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure you bring everyone back as well, and so uh, just curious, heading into 2021 with the plethora of talents across the country, how you're planning to approach this season, because I imagine it's different than any other past season. Yes, it's definitely a I would call it a little bit of an asterisk season mm-hmm. with with a lot of one year type type situations. Uh, not, you know, Baylor stacked with a bunch of graduate students that are really good tennis players. So I, I hate to be Michael and what all the decisions he's going to make, who gets to play, who gets to travel. I mean, they just have so many guys. It's ridiculous. So it, it's definitely, it's definitely a, a very special year, a different year. Our approach, you know, again, we're just every day just trying to get better. It sounds so cliche, and so that that's all we can control. We, we're lucky that some of our guys, or most of our guys, will be able to to be around here during the Christmas break, during the holidays. They're going to stay here, and, and now we're, due to the NCAA rules, we can voluntarily, if they request, practice. So I think they're going to request to practice a lot and and we get to work with them. So that's that's a huge, huge uh, thing that we don't get to do every year. And it's almost like having a little preseason getting ready for, a, as you said, a very tough, tough year. We, we return everybody. Plus, we have a guy that wasn't quite ready to play with Juan Martin and we're hoping he can contribute. So I feel like we're a little bit better. I just think that some teams got a lot better uh, with with either new recruits or transfers for one year. And it's going to be very interesting to see how this whole season goes. It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, on, on the Juan Martin front, Coach, I've got to, I, I kind of – to me, he's almost like the Tim Siebert from Ohio State. It's the guy that we always think is going to play, and then he never plays. So – not, you know, yeah. different reasoning up there at Ohio State, but is he finally healthy this year with a chance that we actually get to see him play? I mean, you you couldn't look any better. I mean, the guy should be a model. He <laughs> literally could not look any better. And I think a lot of our female athletes and students would agree with that. Uh, so he's he has worked so hard 
and nothing would bring me more joy than to watch Juan get to compete for TCU and and win a few matches for us. So we will see. He it's not going to be easy. There, there's nine other guys that want want to play as well, and everybody's capable. We have ten very good players, so it'll it'll be interesting to see how how things play out. Uh, but it's a uh, in a way, it's a, a nice, nice problem to have. We had some seasons in the past where, like you said, due to injuries, one had two surgeries, two hip surgeries, and uh, and some other injuries, we didn't have the depth. And I feel this year we have 10 guys that can play. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we, we look at the rest of the guys and kind of the, I'll, I'll say the tops, the rotation maybe of the top, the guys that were kind of the top seven uh, last year. And it looks, I think you've had the, uh, You've had Fernley and Famba there on campus, right? I think the other five guys probably all uh, back home and overseas playing tournaments with the exception. I didn't see anything from Burtis. Has Burtis been playing at all? Uh, Burtis is home. He didn't get to go home in South Africa. He's from South Africa, and they literally just closed the country. So he hadn't seen his family forever. So he went, he took the semester off, actually. And and spend some time with his family, so I think it's great. And he'll be back here in a couple of weeks, so I can't wait to see him. Uh, he was he hasn't been as active on the competitive front as some of the other guys that you see him playing futures or or competing in college. Uh, but uh, S- Sander Jung got here towards the end, and and he got to play just doubles. Unfortunately, just doubles in one of our college tournaments due to um, the whole quarantine that he was diagnosed positive and, and couldn't play. So he only got to play little doubles at the end, but he, we had him here and he's a, as you remember last year, we, we call him the, the landlord. He was on fire uh, last season. So it's great to have him here and, and uh, looking forward to watching continue to get better and, and help us out this next season. Mm-hmm. Let me ask a quick just tangent, and it's a random question, but I think this is one of the most important things we're asking all of these coaches, Chris, is obviously, uh, Coach, you guys spent a lot of time in your virtual Zoom meetings, you know, chatting through the plan, trying to get everyone on schedule. My question for you, Coach Roditi, after nine months of Zoom meetings, if there was one member of your team you could just place on mute for the entire meeting, who would you pick and why? Well. Don't ask anybody else that question because it would probably be me. But um, man, on mute, I think you know. I think if if we put Jacob Fernley on mute, the meeting would just go exactly the same way as if he weren't muted. So I'll I'll, I'll change that, and I I just love to hear Jacob just speak a little bit more uh, and tell us what the hell he's going on in his head. Uh, there's, there's, there's no one else that I would, that I would put on mute. I would just, uh, I would do him just because he wouldn't make any difference. Fomba just looks like the jokester. He's got to be the jokester. You know, Fomba can be, he is. It, you have no idea what the joke is, what he's saying, <laughs> but, but he, he starts laughing a lot. So, uh, I think our our clown, definitely our clown, and you haven't you haven't seen him as much, and but you will, and and keep your eyes on him because you have absolutely no idea 
I know he's going to get in trouble at some point, and and I'm going to be really mad at him. But uh, it's Jurosek uh, Thomas. <laughs> he is a complete clown. You, I don't know if you saw him a little bit at Michigan. Um, he's gonna. He's very entertaining. Very entertaining. Mm-hmm. I did see him a little bit at that Michigan match. I'm glad you bring that up. That's funny. Yeah, he might. I don't think he's going to get the point penalty, but you'll get a couple warnings. You'll get the hey, you got to quiet him down. Oh, we'll get we'll get a point back. He'll do something. <laughs> he'll, he'll do something. I have to remember to make sure he knows all the rules. Uh, he will. He it, it just. We'll see what happens because he he will do something. I guarantee you, he will do something and. <laughs> And half the people are going to be laughing. The other half are going to be cringing. And <laughs> and I'm probably going to be, you know, grabbing them by the shirt and sitting them down or something. But um, I, ho- I hope it's not too bad when it happens. So what, what happens What happens first, Coach? Jirasek gets a penalty or Rodidi throws his hat? Which one comes first? It's probably fifty you know, fifty. Yeah, you, you can tell I'm thinking about it. I I was I had a some uh, the head referee of the ITA, Anthony, made a bet that I would hundred percent get a, a, a point penalty myself. <laughs> when the new rule changed last year or the year before, and I'm very proud to say I never did. So I did win that bet. Wow. Um I like my hat, so I'm gonna say that Thomas Jurasek will definitely get a point penalty oh, for okay. what I do. <laughs> That's a good answer. Well, you know, the last time we saw your team, you had very little reason to throw the hat, coaches. I believe you guys ended 2020 on a nine-match winning streak, and I think the season you guys ended with that 12-4 and record, and I know I speak for Chris, one of the highlights for us was watching that final Texas A&M match at the National Indoors where you came up to us and you're like, are you watching this? And we were like, I know, this is this is." Cool the performance from your team and you know that is to say you guys had a lot of momentum on your side and I'm just curious you know how do you feel about your program how do you feel how much momentum you guys have heading into this season yeah we're, we feel we we love what we saw from the guys we won so many close matches I feel like we could have been four and 12 instead of 12 and four and it's it's just every year even with the same guys, here we go. We have the exact same guys. And, and I remember Coach Center always telling me, he was, you know, one of my mentors, always saying every year is different. You could have the same exact guys back. And every year presents different challenges, different celebrations. Uh, so I'm hoping that the guys can pick up right where they left off. There was a lot of pride and there was a lot to prove for them. We We lost our what in the national scene, what our studs, it, it was the first year that we didn't have a Rybakov or we didn't have a uh, Cameron Nori leading us there at the very top. So these guys, they, they know that and they wanted to prove that, that this team could, could compete at the highest level without, without those guys. And I love it. I love that little chip on the shoulder and Alistair Gray has been and just a absolute superstar as a leader of the team and as a captain and uh i hope you know i wish he had 10 more years of eligibility and i could just keep him forever because he's he only adds to to our program 
uh, every oh, single every single season. So I can't wait to have him back on campus. I miss him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he was phenomenal last year. I think something like seven and two at the number one singles position. And you mentioned it—the fact that he was giving you such consistent performances at the top of the lineup when he doesn't have maybe the pedigree of the Rybakov, the Nori, the Nick Chapels of the world. But how important was it for him to make that jump to give you that extra boost at the top of the lineup last year? And you know, you guys have a lot of young talent, but do you expect Alistair to be you know steering the ship up top this season as well? Oh, that was a that was the difference maker. We we knew we had that. We knew we had a lot of a lot of good players, but at the top was going to be the sort of the question mark that everybody had. Who who was going to step step up? And he he was one of our oldest guys and our our captain. So he did. And nobody in college works harder than he does at his game. Nobody thinks about their game more than he does. So it's you know, as a as a as a friend or as a coach, someone that that, that watches him, you, you you're just so happy, not just for the program, but for him because he just puts so much into his 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 uh, his game and every part of his game. So it it was very rewarding to see. It was great to to see him succeed. He had some huge wins. You know, beats Stanford number one. Had match points against A and M. Beat North Carolina State. At number one, I mean, just some unbelievable performances that uh, I was very happy for him. Yeah, so we look at that lineup, Coach, and I think we kind of all have pegged Alistair as being that number one guy. But I feel like like this year, uh, it, it maybe even more than last, it's a, it's a little more wide open, at least, you know, from the outside looking in. I look at, you know, two through five, maybe even two through six and go, yeah, you could pretty much toss them in there in any order you wanted. Um, I mean, Samba's got the big game and could certainly, you know, has the, the the game to play up at two. But Fernley and Sandra Jong have both been playing really well. Uh, you know, and you had Paralek up there last year. Uh, what are you looking at for, for those guys this year? Yeah, exactly. You're you're a hundred percent right on. It's it'll be very very interesting to see how things played out. You know, last year we had a few guys like Fernie and and Tadeusz Perlek and Jirosek who were all freshmen. So it kind of takes them a little bit to to get adjusted and and sort of understand college tennis a little bit more and get more comfortable. But now it's like a freebie, right? They got a free sort of a free lesson, a free a free internship. So so what's going to happen to those guys? They were rookies last year. They're not they're not rookies anymore. So yeah, I mean, I a guy like Jurasek, who knows? He could be playing two for us, and and a guy like whoever was playing two or three playing six for us. So uh, it's great. It's 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 fun to to see what happens, and and it's going to be. Up to them, and and at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter, right? Your your um, every point counts. So, we just want to put six really good players out there. How about the doubles lineups? Are you you know were you satisfied? Obviously, bringing back all the same guys. Did you like the pairings you had last year? And you're kind of rolling with those and and a little more experience now. Or are you trying? Are you mixing some things up here uh, as we get started? Uh, 
And obviously with a bunch of the guys that haven't even been there, you haven't had a chance to do that much yet uh, with only a few of them there. Are you going to mix it up? Are you going to kind of rely on the fact that some of those guys played together last year and, uh, and we'll probably see more of that at the start of the season? Yeah, due, due, to, due to COVID and, and some guys not you know, being in school, but, but staying home and doing everything online and traveling the world competing and some other guys who took the semester off, we didn't have. We didn't have one team here on campus in the fall. So I think we're going to just don't have much of a choice but to start with what we had and then and then go from there. And it would be amazing if some new things sort of come up in, in, in a good way, if we feel like we can make it better. But you, I think I think um, Burtis and Fumba were, I don't know, eight and one or nine and one in doubles. And Sander Jung and, and Tadez Paralek won a bunch of matches at number two. And, uh, and Fernie, as a freshman, stepped up and, and won, won some really good matches with, with Alistair at one. So, yeah, I, I, we're going to start with that and then, and then see how it goes. Doubles, that's the one part of our – I feel like it's always so hard to get enough matches in the fall. Uh, impossible this year, but nobody did. No, no college did. Um, that you don't get enough reps for your doubles team. So it's always – a little bit of a guessing game in the beginning of the season and then by the NCAs, then you got your teams and you know, you've seen teams at the very last minute at NCAs just change every team and go with that. So it'll be it'll be fun. It'll be fun to see how these guys respond. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the theme uh, that we keep coming back to is just how much talent you guys have on the roster this year. That's why we have you as our preseason number six team in our Crack Rackets poll. Take that however you want to, Coach. But uh, I want to ask a specific question about Sander Jong, and I know we talked about this a little bit at the indoors last year, but uh, he clearly made a jump. Something clicked for him during the month of February, and he just started rolling, playing phenomenal tennis. And uh, I'm just curious what you've seen from him this past offseason because it does feel like, you know, again, you guys have a ton of depth and certainly you guys can put yourself in a position to win all six singles flights. But of course, as a coach, it always helps when you can say, okay, I'm banking six in the pocket, I'm banking five, and we got to find two more. Uh, it feels like Sander could be that sort of guy for for you guys. I'm just curious what you've seen from him uh, this offseason. He's got to work on his driver. He's got the irons down. He, he can hit the green just about every time, but his driver is not quite as good as the rest of his game, so he needs to work on that. Um, he's actually a really good golfer. We've been battling, so I'm kind of joking when he hears this. But, and it is true. He will agree. You know, he he was our, in a way, kind of an MVP. I mean, you, we, we could give MVP to so many guys last year, short season, like you said, Alistair stepped up, Fomba stepped up, the freshman came in. But the boost that we got from, from Sander was incredible. And I'm just going to tell him that every match is a national indoors uh, match. Because <laughs> there's something about that week where the guy just absolutely loves it. And he's always he's had two, two unbelievable national indoors. That's kind of almost like his come-out party. And every year, he just steps it up. He... He, like Alistair, he's another one that's just nonstop working on his game, just nonstop. He's got the greatest attitude. Uh, I believe I talked a lot about that when we spoke at, at, in Wisconsin. 
And, um, you know, when, when you have an attitude like, like he does and the work ethic that he does, good things happen. And they don't always happen, but they happen at some point. And it seems like February is when it happens for him every, every season. So I would love to see him continue to do that. And I would be very surprised if he's not playing for us uh, on a consistent basis in singles and, and doubles. Yeah, so, so we look at what's coming up then this season, Coach. And obviously, uh, as we're talking now, we're, we're less than a week away from the ITA kickoff draft. Uh, and you guys are set to be one of the hosts there. Um, what, you know, just general thoughts, are you thinking that a lot of these schools are going to be somewhat forced, uh, you know, or at least a fair number of them forced into almost geography-based selections to the point where, uh, you know, like a South Carolina would say, well, they can't, you know, and I'm just picking on them as an example, but, you know, well, they can't go to Texas or California. They've got to stay east or a Stanford is told, well, you guys can't go to North Carolina, North Carolina State. You've got to stay west kind of thing. Do you, do you think we're going to see a lot of that? And and what are you expecting um, to kind of see in your region? Are you kind of expecting to see schools like Texas A&M and Baylor, et cetera, picking up uh, the, you and between you and Texas because they're local, you know, regional picks, if you will? I, I would think so. I would, I would, if I had to bet, if I had to bet, I would, I would say most teams will stay regional, more of a ge geography base. It'll be very interesting to see where Florida goes and what they do. I don't know if you've, you've spoken with them. That's, and, and then once a, a team like Florida chooses where to go, how, how does an A&M or how does the next team, Stanford, how do they react to that, and and how does that affect the rest of the of the picks? It's going to be fun to watch uh, the, the the psychology and the, and and as you said, they may not even have a choice. Uh, Paul Goldstein and Brandon Coop might already know that they have no choice. They're driving down to Southern Cal, and I'm sure USC is kind of like, God, we'll pay for your trip. Just go somewhere else, you know. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I've been having a lot of those conversations. I can't, you know, that's that's a tough one for for Stanford because that's the probably the only close one. But at the same time, it's very possible that between now and January, things happen to where even USC is not allowed to host. And then the seed spot goes to the, the next team in line. So that and Stanford is not allowed to host as of now because of Santa Clara County rules. So the three seed would get to host and they'd be subject to whoever ended up being the three seed and they may not be able to go there. Yeah. Who, whoever thought that our, our season would come down to what kind of color our government is right. In our state. <laughs> I mean, it's almost like, all right, red, you're doing this blue, you're doing that. It's incredible. It's incredible. I've learned more about politics than I ever wanted to this, this last <laughs> six months. Uh, and it seems like a state like California, you're absolutely right. I, they might say, who knows, right? They might say we, we can't host anything and we can't go anywhere. And I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's it's uh, we'll just have to wait because it's I think it's too hard to predict what will happen next week. What will happen four weeks from yeah. now? Uh, yeah, so that's, that's so far off. But yeah, we just got to get through the draft first. So I mean, so these days, four weeks, everything can change, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. On that front, are you, have you, I haven't seen the declarations of the, uh, the indoor outdoor yet. Are, are you declaring outdoors and what has Texas declared? Uh, do you know? Yes. Texas has declared outdoors. Wow. Okay. Yeah. We have declared indoors first time. Wow. I've done that. I know, I know that's a shocker for everybody. Even, um, uh, even my boss. Um, wow, Texas which, declaring outdoors. They're just inviting A and M over. I mean, <laughs> that's uh, that's that's surprising to me. I would love to see that. I I, I love to see Baylor and A and M both go over there. That'd be great. I just don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't know what's what's going to happen. Um, Texas has a very interesting team. They just have a bunch of new guys and a bunch of young guys, and it'll be. I think they have some dark horses in there that could surprise some people. So it'll be very, very interesting how how that that whole season goes with with Bruce and and Brandon over there. They they I uh, think it's going to be probably in a way kind of fun fun to follow how those young guys step up and develop. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, we're going indoors. My my boss said, "I thought you hated indoors," and I said, "Well, not when you have Fumba and." Alex Gray and <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, Sammy you guys done so well and, indoors, it's crazy not to. Yeah. Yeah. So you you tried to return Fomba serve indoors on a tight court. <laughs> yeah, my hard. my nephew tried. I, yeah, it's, I've lived enough of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, with that in mind, Coach, because I believe the indoor facility at TCU it opened up last season. That was its first season in action. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, it was that's got to be renovated. Renovated. It's actually it's actually the oldest indoor facility in Texas of any college. We were for for 30 years, 40 years. We were the only college in Texas with an indoor facility. Um, It's just that we only have five and that's that's the bummer. So, so you got to even think about who do you want as your number six is just waiting there, you know, biting his nails. You know, wondering if the match is going to come down to them or not. So they actually, I didn't realize that. So they'll let you declare indoors without, even without six courts indoors. Correct. Correct. I think all you have to have is either three or four to be able okay. to play indoors. So um, we're doing it indoors. And we've been using during COVID, we used our fifth court as a, as we made into a gym and a, and a training room for track and tennis and, because we shut down our, our our facility, it's close to the public, so we took a court and made it made it that. So my my boss in the school they, they weren't too happy when I said, "Hey, we're playing indoors. We need that fifth court. You got to find a different place to uh, to do the training room and the gym." So that's when she said, "I thought you hated indoors." <laughs> No, if we've learned anything from this call, it's don't have Paralek as the guy sitting around because then he's going to start the match with an 0-3 deficit. Uh, So maybe he's the guy you you play right away. But um, no, yeah. And, uh, you know, speaking even beyond the national indoors, uh, 
it does sound like talking to these coaches that uh, a lot of the schedule is going to be regional based and you know obviously for some conferences if you have a big conference the SEC they can all go play one another beat up on each other there's 13 teams Uh, obviously that's not the case with the Big 12 and so I'm curious I know uh, there's still a lot to be decided in terms of finalizing a schedule it will and won't be allowed but do you anticipate that'll be geography based as well that maybe this is the year you play your Big 12 opponents two maybe even three times yeah, I mean, there's only six of us, and we actually we we have a call tomorrow with our conference, and and um, again, we're we're in Texas, right? We're, we're you know some people in Texas don't even think that we've been on quarantine at all. So yeah, so so they might say, yeah, you do whatever whatever you your school will allow. So we're we're waiting, we're waiting to hear. We did lose some some teams. To that, like the Big Ten, you know, we play Illinois every year, and we can't play them this year anymore. And it doesn't look like the Ivy League is going to be happening, or is it official? Are they not playing this season? Yeah, yeah they're, they're out for the spring. Yeah, so so we always play Columbia, so we've lost them. So yeah, we gotta we're playing Baylor for sure twice, um, and I was hoping we would play some of the other teams twice. We're we're, we're all talking. All, all of us. I, I, I would, I would just play each other twice. Um, we have to go to Lubbock anyways, so the second match would be here in Fort Worth. So I'm not sure I would ever agree to go to Lubbock voluntarily. <laughs> but, but since they would play us here on that second match, I completely, uh, I'm totally okay with that. And um, Whitehead, Whitehead's done a great job there. So, yeah, we'll, we'll wait, see how tomorrow goes, and then go from there. You, you might even get them three times if uh, the, something tells me they might be forced into taking you for the kickoff site, too. So, uh, yes, yes. I mean, Baylor, yes, we could see them 100 percent. I'm not happy about it, but, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, it all depends. Uh, Te- Texas obviously will fill up first. So it's a matter of who gets it first. But, uh, yeah, Baylor actually uh, even more likely because Texas Tech kicks before Baylor. So they they might fill out Texas and then leave Baylor with their only choice coming to you. That's a rough one versus four seed if that happens. Oh, why are you why are you can, can I just enjoy the Christmas yeah. break here? Yeah. <laughs> we just gotta we're just you know, just adding to the stress level, coach. You just ruined my coffee. Yeah. <laughs> you started talking about the conference and it's interesting. So you talk about playing Baylor twice. I've talked to some of the SEC schools that have already started to set up some, you know, non conference matches against their uh conference uh foes, if you will, just because of uh, geography-based uh, scheduling that they can get done. But what are you looking for It's specifically conference-wise? I mean, there's a – I see probably a good jump um, with Oklahoma State this year. Uh, so certainly from where they were last year, they're going to be a better team. Uh, Absolutely. And obviously, you know, you've, you've still got uh, – you've got yourselves and you've got Baylor that's obviously going to be, be very good. Uh, what what are you what are you looking at from a conference perspective? Yeah, I think I think um, Oklahoma State's going to be much improved and very good, and they could have their best season ever. Um, kind of similar to that year when they had they were top five, and then that Russian guy went went home in a month into the season, and that that hurt them. But they had a rough team. I, I see them again. 
there at Baylor couldn't be any deeper. They could, I mean, you know what we could do is just play Baylor's A team and then and then play Baylor's B team. <laughs> on the, like, and then we can play them four times. We'll just play both teams, both teams twice. And they have so many guys; they could, they literally could, could put two top twenty teams out there. Um, so, and then Texas, I, I, I wouldn't, you know, Texas is good. They have a bunch of really very, very good players. They're just young, and we don't know much about them, and we don't know what to expect from them. But they're really good. We saw them this fall. They're very good in Oklahoma, and those guys are. They just—it's a war every time. Same with Texas Tech. It's just a bunch of greedy guys that can compete. And as you know, in college tennis, that has a huge, huge value to to what a team can do when you get that momentum. I would hate to get behind any of those. So I—I I, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I'm excited. It's great to have so many good teams in the conference since we only have—we only have six. Everybody's going to be competitive. So. We'll just have to wait and see again. I mean, it's, that's what that's what makes it exciting, right? If it was so easy to predict, then why why play? Yeah, that, that's what I tell Chris all the time. He just reads me UTRs. I'm like, I don't really care. I'm like, I just want to go watch the tennis. I'm done with the UTRs. Uh, I don't need to hear about them anymore. But uh, to switch gears a little bit, Coach, and you know, one of the things we often like to talk about with you when we have you on the show is how well you and your team uh, engage your TCU community. How And every time you guys have an outdoor home match, it seems like the stands are going to be filled. And you know, we've talked to Rybakov, we've talked to Alistair, all these different players talk about how fun it is to play a home match and you know I, I just want to I want to ask you because we have obviously seen over these past nine months so many college programs impacted uh, whether it's financial challenges moving forward whatever it may be because of this pandemic where we've seen programs cut and we've seen programs as prominent as Iowa as Minnesota uh, two Big Ten schools have their men's tennis program canceled moving forward and so uh, I'm just curious what your reaction has been to that uh, to that news and what we've seen happen to the college tennis landscape these past nine months yeah I mean it's scary right very scary and and sad and 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 um, yeah just exactly what we would hate to see and 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 um you know what happened in Minnesota, Iowa, just so unfortunate that, that you know once you hear all the details of how it went down with the voting, it's even even worse, uh, hard to swallow. Uh, you know, you're probably happy because they got Gavin. You know, even even as big fan as you are, Michigan, I think didn't they get Gavin? Yeah, they did. Yeah. yeah, I mean, how stoked are you about that? I mean, that's awesome. That's <laughs> what a great great get there for for everybody it's a great great fit but uh obviously um super sad what what went on and, and then you think about the the coaches and the and the, their families and their lives and they have to completely switch gears and figure everything out you know you work so hard to get to be at the top of a program like that and then all of a sudden it's taken away so very unfortunate uh Obviously, we'll have a convention here in Zoom in in, in 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 December, but that's more than ever. We were talking about this five years ago, seven years ago, how important it was for us to get involved in the community, even though I don't think it would have mattered at either one of those schools. Sounds like it was more just at the very top, um, but definitely want to make it harder on the 
on the AD. And, and I think I've told the joke here that when you're, you know, you don't have to be number one. You just have to outrun, outrun the, the next program and, and keep, keep tennis going. You know, if they're going to cut, then maybe they'll cut another sport other than, than the tennis. Uh, we, we've been lucky that we're, we have a lot of advantages here at TCU with the community. We're located five to 10 minutes from five great country clubs, very active in their tennis team. So that our location is right in the middle of the neighborhood. It's easy to come, very safe, very accessible parking. It's a big facility. It's beautiful. So we, we have a lot of advantages that allow for us to, to do, to do that, to be able to showcase and make it an event and make it really fun this year. Obviously, I, I doubt I doubt that we that we will be able to do you know the tailgating and the and the basically the mobile bar or whatever it is. That I, I don't see that really happening this year. But since it is so open and we do get to play outdoors, hopefully fans can still you know still attend in, in a limited basis. But um, it'll be I mean, I, the ITA. They got to be so busy. This, this is, you know, that would be a great, great conversation for you to have with, with Tim at the ITA about how they're approaching all of this because it's, it's very unfortunate. And it's not just tennis. You know, there's other sports and, and even at the very top. I heard yesterday I was talking to somebody at a school in Georgia, one of the top schools in Georgia, about to lose twenty five million dollars. So. It's just scary. It's scary what's happening, and uh, hopefully we can get through it before too much, you know, more damage. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you, and one of the reasons I wanted to bring it up, if you don't mind me saying, I think what you guys do at TCU is uh, as close to the gold standard as you can get in college tennis in in terms of engaging your community, and I'm just curious if you've noticed this. I've noticed this at the various matches I've gone to across the country. It feels like college tennis has a really high retention rate of fans, meaning if you can get a fan to show up once, more likely than not, they're going to show up to a second match. And so, you know, when we talk about community engagement, I feel like half the battle is just getting people to show up that first time. Would you say that's a fair assessment? That's probably a place where a lot of programs can start? Yes. Yes, I do believe that. I do believe that that was part of sort of the – original strategy was that we just got to get them once and get them to just experience it. And, you know, I'm sure you, you've heard of coach Greg Patton, the way he would describe tennis matches, the college tennis matches. Did, did you ever hear him talk about it? I have not. I'm all ears. He said he was, it was like going to a, to a movie theater where you had, but you had six different movies and, you know, on court one, you got, you got like a drama, drama movie. And then on, on court two, you have like an action packed movie. And then uh, number three, you have just a tear jerker. You just, so you get, you just, everybody gets, they're going to, they're going to, you see the fans sort of gravitate to whatever that personality or style, or whatever it is, kind of go to and they have their, their, their players and female players, female players that they, they get to watch. So it, it is a lot of fun. There's a lot going on. It certainly helps when you're outside and you got nice weather. Everybody likes to be outside just for that reason, just being outside. So, um, and then indoors, you feel the, 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 the excitement, you know, you can really feel the, 
the nerves so you can really feel the crowd so it's a lot of fun as well so yeah we just got to get them out there and 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 as you know just with our with our overall just with life with people people are so busy these days you know the kids everybody's kids have a hundred activities that they have to be taken to so you're you're fighting you're fighting the parents time and how do we get those parents to choose tennis for those two or three hours how do we get them to to pick of all the choices they have how do we get them to say okay we're going to spend these two hours we're going to skip this and this and we're going to go to tennis that's a that's a big that's a big job i mean you talk to baseball it's trying to do the same for you know but uh Baseball's going after the same family, same same fans. Uh, you have beach volleyball in the spring that you're competing against. So how do we get them to to pick tennis? That's uh, that's where that's where what you're talking about getting to know your community. What is it that you can do in your community? Everybody's a little different. How can you get them to pick you over everybody else? Yeah, and you and you talk about the fact that it, it's going to be a little different this year with uh, you know who knows. Assuming that we're that we're playing, I'm going to assume there will be some sorts of restrictions on the fans, whether there are none or whether it's, you know, some sort of social distance spacing in the in the bleachers or or whatnot, coach. But I think that just makes it even more important that you extend the invite to Gruskin and I to come broadcast your Baylor match this year. I mean, we got to do this live, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we've been dying to come down and see your facility. So, you know, now that you're going to play Baylor for for a home and home, I mean, one of them's at your place. We we got to come see it and broadcast that match. Yes, we definitely have to do that. We definitely have to do that. You know, COVID COVID kind of hit our facility. We we were we were months away from a complete just multi-million dollar renovation of reconstruction of all the courts and redo all our courts so so we're not our facility today is not where it was um what it's always been and, and we got to work on that a little bit so i'm just lowering the expectations for you <laughs> for this one time because you're going to catch us at a, it's almost like uh we like we got COVID a little bit in the facility as far as what it normally looks like but it's still beautiful it's a very outdoorsy and and uh by, by the time we get to April and we play Baylor, it's going to be beautiful, perfect weather. So that, that would be fun. And maybe by then everything's open and we can have all the craziness uh, that surrounds the last. So you definitely want to be there. But, uh, Hopefully. Yeah, yeah. You are always invited and just let us know what we need to do for you guys to come down here. So uh-huh. Yeah, we're going to be the first fans to come to a TCU match in 15 years and there's no like taco truck or ice cream something. And it's just, we're going to be robbed of our experience. <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah we'll probably be giving out you know hand sanitizer and and and, and face face mask or yeah. mouth mask yeah. whatever they're called. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. I'm crazy, but you know, in all in all seriousness, I know I like to joke a lot. If there's ever a time for for us as a tennis community and college tennis and the players. Man, we're, how lucky are we that we get to do this and and that we get to compete? So I'm I'm hoping that 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 carries through the season. There is a lot of appreciation and 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 thankfulness 
for just getting the opportunity to compete. So, you know, I would I would certainly hope so. And and you can you can hold me to it that us as coaches should be in our absolute best behavior. And and so and so are the players, and that you see the best the best sportsmanship that you've ever seen from from everybody because we just got a taste of you know what life could be right without all this and and we're just lucky to get to play so i i hope i hope there's a lot of that going around and and because uh, i know that we all feel it uh, especially with what you're talking about with teams that are not no longer going to be here next year uh, how lucky that we are that we get to to do this yeah no absolutely and i yeah, no, we feel the exact same way here at Cracked Rackets. Well, then, my final question for you, Coach, and again, we are always appreciative of your candidness, of uh, your willingness to have some fun with us here on the show. I uh, want to have a little bit fun with you to end as well because talking with all of these coaches, I've heard another common theme as well, and it's that they can't remember the last time they spent nine months consecutively at home. And so my question to you, nine months in a row, you're not on the road, you're not going to tournaments, you know, your rhythm is broken what did you learn about yourself these nine months? Do you think your family's ready to get rid of you? Yeah, I, I, my, my mom, my mom definitely is. Uh, she's probably <laughs> she's probably scheduling a few away matches uh, as we lose home matches. She's probably scheduling more more away matches. Um, well, you know what? What I learned, I I, I played a lot of golf. I played a lot of golf. I did, and I I I, I learned that that um, that golf is rough. Golf is rough, and they they say that that's why golf is called golf, and uh, because every other four letter word was already taken. And, uh, there's absolutely a few of my clubs ended up having to be reshafted. I I I'll be I'll admit it. Not does not bring out the best in me. So I learned that. Uh, that temper still there when it when it you know golf definitely tested it, but um, also you know I, again I make the best of the situation. I, I was able. I love I love where my relationship is with my kids. Uh, just recently went through a divorce a year ago, so maybe that was a, a sort of the silver lining for me was be able to spend this first year with the the whole change with, with them, and that was awesome. School canceled all day trying to figure out how you keep a four-year-old and a six-year-old entertained when, when you know, they have ADD and so does their dad. And how do we keep <laughs> going? How do we keep, you know, how do we make this happen? And then teach them, teach them how to write and, and, and read and write in Spanish and in English. It's tough. It's tough. Uh, teachers, man, with a lot of respect for the teachers. I think that's what everybody's uh, got out of this is that we don't pay our teachers enough. No, absolutely. I, well, then, I guess one follow-up. Is David Rodidi better at golf or tennis right now? Uh, I mean, um, yeah, I think uh, if you would have asked me that a month ago, I would have said golf. <laughs> I'm in a bad place right now. I'm mentally in a bad place. So I, I got to say, I'm probably still better at tennis, even though a month ago I thought I was pretty freaking good at golf. And then it, reality reality hit, 
green spread up a little bit and all of a sudden <laughs> they did it all so uh, I, just the, just the fact that he's debating it alex tells me he's a damn good golfer because you know, tennis is kind of like riding a bike for the guys that at the level you were at coach you once you can play you can play so if you think you're close in golf you must be i'm not taking you on on the golf course that's for sure well well that's all relative right and the, the thing about tennis is that I mean, I'm 47, so it's not so easy, you know? It's like hit with Ravikov for 20 minutes, and for the next three days, my shoulder's about to fall off. And I'm like, Wait, I didn't even serve. I didn't even know I used my shoulder on my forehand. How does it hurt so much? So that's that's where the hesitation is. If you you know, if you know, get to play tennis and you don't have to move, you all you have to do is r- rotate, then, yeah, I'm definitely better at tennis, but... <laughs> Unfortunately, you 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 do have to move. So. Oh, absolutely. That's half the fun. Well, Coach, uh, I am sure you could still beat both Chris and I on both the tennis court and on the golf course. And, of course, for both of us, we are always so grateful uh, for you taking the time to chat with us. So, of course, we hope uh, you stay safe, stay healthy. Same to your team as well. And, of course, it's always a pleasure getting to chat with you. Uh, it's always always a highlight. Always uh, appreciative of you guys giving me the time to talk about our program. Uh, you guys do. We don't have enough of you guys out there. I feel if there were more guys like you doing what you do for for our sport and talk about it, and make it so exciting for not just college tennis but tennis overall. Maybe you know, maybe we wouldn't have so many of those teams uh, cut. Yeah. Uh, so I appreciate everything you guys do, and I'm always here. And, and just thank you, thank you from from, from all the coaches. Do, what you guys do for us uh, we appreciate you saying that i feel like some coaches have got i've gotten some angry texts number six in our preseason rankings that's okay with you you're not going to get mad at me oh my god where where do i sign, where do I, sign? <laughs> I mean it's i mean it, it doesn't take much to go from six to you know 42 so, <laughs> so i'll 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 absolutely and and the thing is you just want to be in the conversation, right? You just want to be in the conversation. And then let's see what happens in May. We saw we saw Texas two years ago. They were just in the conversation, and then they came out with the trophy. So if you can just be in that conversation, then anything can happen at the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And we look forward to seeing what your TCU team can do. So, of course, Coach, again, thank you so much. And as always, go Frogs. Go Frogs. Thank you, guys. Yep. Take care, Coach. Hey, happy holidays. Thank you. Happy, happy holidays. Bye-bye. Hope all of you enjoyed our conversation with TCU men's tennis head coach David Rodidi. It is always such a pleasure for us to get the chance to speak with him again. When you have someone like David Rodidi at the forefront of a college tennis program, you just know good things are going to happen. His energy, his enthusiasm, passion for the sport, uh, it's contagious. And, you know, he's one of so many college tennis head coaches right now. I say this all the time. And, yeah, it's to butter them up, them up because I want to keep them coming on the show. But I don't think college tennis has ever had more exceptional 
exceptional coaches than it does right now. And of course, David Roditi uh, certainly belongs on that list. So thank you to him. And of course, we wish him and his TCU program success and health throughout this 2021 season. Of course, if you want to hear more about the TCU Horned Frogs, go check out the Great Shot podcast feed. Matt Stokowiak, Chris Helios, and I giving our extended thoughts on the team on that show. Of course, Matt writing about the team on our, for our website, I should say, CrackRackets.com. So again, if you want to read more about the Horned Frogs, be sure to go check that out. And if you have missed any of our College Contender series, we've talked to now six coaches, I believe, the head coaches of Georgia, Michigan, Florida, Stanford, Texas A&M, now TCU. We've talked about all of those teams. Matt's written about all of those teams. You can find all of that content on our website, CrackRackets.com. And of course, it's off-season mode. If you have missed anything from our off-season content, we launched our Next Gen 2.0 series looking at the next wave of ATP Young Stars rising up the rankings. We also launched our new season, our first season of Cross Court Chronicles, the journey of Cameron Mofit. I think it's, what, 73 flights, 47 countries over the course of a year. Uh, all of those stops involving some aspect of tennis Cameron Mofit. We've had him on this podcast before, but if you forget, he worked for the Nick Kyrgios Foundation and was very involved with it. Has done some really cool things for someone so young. It's a really fun series that uh, I know all of you listeners will enjoy, so go check that podcast out. Go check out that video on YouTube as well. And by the way, if you've missed the latest episode of The Deciding Point, you've missed anything, go check out that YouTube channel. Super producer Danny Westoff up to all sorts of really, really cool things. So, of course... Uh, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, it's at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at Great Shot Pod. Shout out, as always, to those super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westoff, for the f- of an editing job they do day in, day out. Shout out, of course, as well to our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar. Go to MidwestSports.com. Use that promo code CR15. Go to Aerobar.com. Use the promo code Cracked15. But with that in mind, for our wonderful guests, David Roditi, my co-host, Chris Hallioris, our super producers, Max Fligner, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you all next time. Thanks, everyone.